Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So a lot has happened in the last two weeks since we last recorded. And even worse, the internet spent way too much time overanalyzing every single minutia that has happened over those past two weeks. But no one has been talking about the Swiss water in Ottawa enough. <laughs> they just haven't done it. So I have to ask you, what is the greatest prank a championship team could pull of the other 31 NHL franchises? Just to make them feel dumb. Wait, wait. Are you suggesting that that Colorado threw out there is a a rumor for others to like, quote unquote, emulate that they were using water from Switzerland when they weren't? No, because that's way too innocent. Like, there's no negative repercussion for importing water. Mm-hmm. Except for financial. Well, they got to spend money to look good to potential buyers or... Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm waiting for the appearance of a fourth host. <laughs> to request I'm just enjoying the... Something. I'm just enjoying the guitar riffs. I'm, yeah. Oh crap! I was it. not muted. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike certain individuals that may be in your home, we don't mind. Yeah, we're not going to tell you to turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe that. I have a five-year-old that comes in and tells a parent to turn the music down. What upside-down part of the world is this? <clears throat> Hey, you know, it's either you or your wife. I mean, well, my wife's constantly got her headphones in. I um, so what's the greatest prank? I chewed on this, and I think it would be food-based. I think it, I, I think it would be something along the lines of. A, a new chickpea pasta type thing. Uh, see, I was going to go with like some kind of sports drinky kind of thing myself. Which is which is part and parcel of the same category. You know, it um, like we did say, you know, that Evian spelled backwards is naive. Um, <clears throat> that would work, you know. Uh, Something along the lines of a nutritionist, right? Oh, they're and and just something just a little left of center so that it doesn't seem outrageous like it is a prank, but yet you kind of go, really? Like the whole you know? pickle juice instead of yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, and then there's and then there's somebody, you know, sort of an off an off axis corroboration of the the menu choice. Oh well, no, you know, uh, Tour de France riders, you know, constantly do this before they before they start the ride. You know, so, you know, something weird like chickpea muesli oatmeal mix or something. 
Yeah, see, I was going to go with like like pickle juice and um, apple cider vinegar together as a sports drink because, you know, one, uh, yuck, and two, it sounds plausible because each of them have been touted as, you know, the next up and coming like throwback natural sports drink electrolyte replacement thing, right? So, yeah. so mix them together and it's like, oh, yeah, the ultimate sports drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear god oh, people would believe it <laughs> they, they literally would yeah, they would <laughs> I wonder how long BioSteel's new official beverage of the NHL contract is for oh did they get it huh? oh yeah it's no longer Gatorade we're not going to see all those bottles on the bench probably see a lot of pink bottles Whatever is um God, no. somebody needs to make sure that Todd Bertuzzi is nowhere near. Hmm. He's probably crying at the, the loss of all of the Gatorade bottles. Hmm. He tried so, so feverishly to save from imminent destruction by opposing players. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) It is not for me. It is not aimed at me. I am not the target audience for it. Therefore, I don't care. That being said, Yoda and Sigmund the sea monster got a little freaky and out popped Bowie who decided to rebel and dye his hair blue or conversely someone just really loved the Pixar movie onward yeah. oh okay well there's a c- conclusion I haven't made yet uh, so what? <clears throat> you know, so what? I mean, it's it's for kids, right? I mean, that's what the whole point of it is, is. Is it's all for kids, and if kids enjoy it, then who cares, right? Um, it it was just for me. I saw that, and I was like, "All right, guys, I know that that you're all new to Seattle within the organization, but um." It is no longer 1992. <laughs> Can we move on? <laughs> 30 Never. years ago. No, I won't. No, I refuse to move on because that means I'm no longer 22. Um, <clears throat> God damn it, I refuse not to be 22 anymore. Um, you always be 22 in your mind. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, at least Even if your body disagrees. <laughs> my my body does disagree, but emotionally I'll never be past 14. Um, <clears throat> I think, boy, it's really stupid for me to say I have issues with it. The, the, I don't have issues. I just think it was a bit lazy with the whole backstory. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. they try to K-fab him, you know. Or Fabe, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, my wrestling friends. I know, I know I screwed up the term. I haven't watched wrestling since 1980-something. 
Yeah. Um, it's a blue sea troll. Yeah, I just don't, you know. <clears throat> I I will only be happy about it if if the mascot starts carrying around in its pocket a Volkswagen Beetle, or in his hand. Because the backstory is supposed to be what it's supposed to be inspired by the Fremont Troll under the Aurora Street Bridge, right? Right, which has a Volkswagen. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is this mascot should be carrying around toy cars to give out to children? Yes. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they're going to go there, they should go there. That's all yeah. I'm saying, you know? It's like, if you're going to say it's inspired by the Fremont Troll, okay, great. Then let's play up the Fremont Troll. Look, if we're not going to get, like, the Yes UVs in the corner, you know, local um, Seattle Metropolitan car dealerships, this is your opportunity. Mm -hmm. This is your chance. I will say I did kind of enjoy the whole... Um, removable tooth segment he and John Forslund did together. If you mm. haven't seen it, John Forslund apparently has some dental work done a la a hockey player. So as Bowie removed his tooth, John Forslund proceeded to remove one of his teeth, um, which I thought was just peak hockey. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you look at John Forslund, you're like, oh, you know, all his teeth in, he's, he's impeccably manicured and quaffed um and then he just sort of whips out one of his teeth <laughs> it's like okay so you, you're you're not all you know you, you get down in the dirt a little bit do you john okay okay <laughs> you've got your public persona and that's good but it's always nice to let your private persona like sneak out every once in a while yeah 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 Whatever that may be, if you know, if you have a really good public persona and nobody knows what you're privately like, then whatever. But you know, there's nothing wrong with letting a little bit of your freak flag fly. Now, I, I was on, you know, I was on Twitter last night when this whole thing happened, and everybody outside of Seattle is like, "But the Kraken was right there." I don't understand. I don't know. I, I like explained it to two or three different people. I'm like, okay, like three miles north of the arena, <laughs> there's this locally famous troll statue or sculpture underneath a bridge. That's what they were going for. And they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I just, I get they, I, I get they wanted to have a mascot. I get. Uh, I get they wanted to have a mascot. I don't get why they needed a mascot. And then I have to stop back and go, okay. Because it's all about the bottom line. Gotta sell mm -hmm. that merch. Look, Mark Lazarus's daughter needs this another mascot. That's what it comes down to. Mm hmm. Yeah. After all, she got she got that big uh, whatever the bear is in Toronto, like plushy. 
She needs Carlton. another thing. Yes, thank you. She got a big Carlton the Bear plushie. So, you know, there needs to be something for Christmas, I guess. The thing I don't understand about the Carlton the Bear is why he never does the Carlton dance. You know, there are a lot of things I wonder about. <laughs> why did they choose a bear? Why was his name? Why did they choose a polar bear? Why was his name Carlton? You know, I get it. You know. You mean if this mascot was created maybe 20, 30 years ago, we wouldn't be second guessing every single decision behind it? No, we all still would. It just wouldn't be collectively done because we didn't have social media, really. I don't know. Why or people will just ignore it. Yeah, I don't even know why we're spending any time on this. I just thought it was. Because it happened last night and, you know, there are other things we don't want to talk about. Boy, are there. <laughs> and that's totally okay. Yeah, and that is totally okay. I just, um, I, I'm. I am just hoping that a head coach um, rips the tentacle off of Bowie at one point, you know, an opposing head coach. See, I, I am personally anti-mascot anyway. I think they're all kind of a little creepy because you can't see their faces. You don't know who it is under there. I've never liked them. So I definitely have an anti-mascot bias here. <laughs> Anything, anything to, anything to uh, uh, get rid of mascots, I'm all for. <laughs> or, or, hear me out. What if all NHL mascots went masked singer on us? And there are quote-unquote local celebrities underneath them every game. And that, there, there was a contest. You got to figure out who it is each and every each and every week, or each and every home game. I mean, that's fine, so long as they stay away from me, I don't care. <laughs> mascots love me, probably, because it's like, it's like, it's like small pets and small children, when they know that somebody doesn't like them, they're like all over that person. I get yeah, that with mascots. True, true. They love me. I'm like, no, get away, go, bye. <laughs> no eye contact. <laughs> This reminds me of a old Hulu series about mascots and like they actually showed the people who played the parts. They had the AHL um, penguins mascot and they kind of like followed him around. It's like, you know, I could use more of this content because it was actually interesting. It talked about how he actually had to know how to skate and how he had to carry around all his stuff. It was just fascinating. The um, I I instantaneously went to the um, Netflix series mascot. They had Chris O'Dowd playing the the thumb or fist for the hockey team, and he was you know he was the bad boy of the mascots, constantly you know constantly getting suspended by the league and all that kind of crap because his outrageous antics. It was it was the Christopher Guestian type movie. Um, I just love the absurdity of it all. Um, Cassie, mm -hmm. they'll never have a face. 
Never. Um, I know. Yeah, you know, I can accept clowns. I have no problems with clowns because even if they're wearing all that makeup, you can still see the person's face. But I digress, I suppose. You just you just have an issue there, don't you? <laughs> Might be we... partly because I'm a woman, but you know, yes, I do. <laughs> I think we should use this session today to dive deeper into where this is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really didn't want to. How did North American sports get so weird? Yeah. And Funny. why are they weirder? Money. The answer to both is money. Mm. Yes. But why can't we go to that other weird, just fully dive in? Go even weirder. Because those people don't get British humor. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. But there are a bunch of wrestling fans, though. Like, they, they, like the Venn diagram of that. It's like there's precedent for for doing weird and crazy stuff. But we draw a line. Well, one, it's because no one, everyone thinks of this as real business and not entertainment. Bingo. We have to keep the dignity of the sport in mind. And that's why we use to pay the talent and we just pay the old guys. Couldn't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> Bingo. Oh, God. Yeah. No. Patrick, stop it, stop it, stop it, let it go, let it go. Let drop it? it. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. Drop it, drop it. Drop <laughs> it, just like all the veterans being released from their PTOs this week. Yeah, except Because they'll finally, yeah. Or should have been signed to a PTO. Because, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Pat, please finish. Because they'll never... Oh, it no. So yep. so have we have we heard anything about uh yet what um PK Subban is is planning to do with himself now that he's retired? Besides his NHL produced knockoff of what the Mannings do? No. <laughs> have we heard what network Keith Yandel will apparently work for because apparently he's going to be on TV. I would almost bet Keith goes to work for a regional. And I would almost bet on that almost bet that it would be Arizona. Ooh. <clears throat> Nice weather in the winter, nice golf courses you can play on. Yeah, that's, probably. That's, well, that's where he spent a lot of the productive years of his career. True. Um, Guys usually go back to the place where they feel like they did the best. Mm -hmm. They had the best time. They um, they go where they're wanted, not where they're tolerated. Type. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I would suspect he. I would suspect he goes to a regional, and I, my money's on Arizona. Um, old P of the K, I think lands on TNT. Uh, 
I'm feeling TNT way more than ESPN. He did the cup of coffee last offseason. Yeah. Building up the uh, resume. I think he... I think it is a better fit for him on that broadcast. And you do think he is a studio analyst more so than a color commentator. Very much, very much mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I am. Um, my fear, my fear is, is they try and do the Jeremy Roenick NBCSN thing with him, put him out with the people or out in the crowd type stuff. That said, now that I think about it, he might actually do a better job at that. Oh, because, you know, he's charismatic. He seems genuinely kind and respectful of his co-workers. He's personable. He's personable, despite what any columnist from Toronto might say. Um, hi, Steve Simmons. He could oh, do the role. How about this? If he were to land with ESPN, the alternate simulcast, where he is the host, he brings in the guests. I like that better because I don't... Well, I think that he could be very successful as a, uh, a hockey broadcaster. I also kind of feel like because he is personable and he likes... He is entertaining and he likes to like bring a little fun to things that people are going to shoehorn him into a comedic situation and not let his hockey knowledge be used, right? Where he's just like, he's basically the class clown. Yeah, I, I don't want to see that which is what they tried to do with Roanick and that's why it never worked. You actually have to be personable to be a class clown. Um, I think he lands in TNT and I think they put him in the studio. Cause I have a weird feeling about halfway through the season, Rick talk is going to be gone because of a coaching job, not because they fire him. Just to clarify that. <laughs> I think as much as Rick sort of enjoys the TV work, he's I I really get this sense from all the interviews and crap that he's not done coaching. I mean, most people who end up going into the studio, you know, whether they've retired as a player or coach that's been fired or GMs that's been fired. They're just seeing they're seeing as a stepping stone or a waiting room until they get called in for something else. Nobody's really going into it because they want that's what they want to do. Let a few more fires be put out with certain other franchises and maybe there's a, a job worth going for, but once a week going into Atlanta in a studio to do a job with Gretzky probably doesn't seem so bad. When Gretzky's there. <laughs> when right. Gretzky feels like showing up. Uh- 
So can PK just replace Bizonette? Can, can we just land on that? I would really... I'd like that to happen. But I don't see any way that would happen because they are enamored by Biz. Mm-hmm. Because he is the he is the younger brother who takes all the punishment affably and and not take not only takes it but invites it, which is sort of how you get that entertainment factor in that panel, right? There's got to be one guy there that the other guys can rag on type thing just because old sports players have to be able to do that he's such a frat boy though and that's yeah and like not in a good way <laughs> if there if it well, can you be said done frat in a good boy. way <laughs> i thought it was self-explanatory self-explanatory yeah, I, I, <laughs> exactly it, it is but you know not everyone, perchance not everyone who's listening to this uh, was, you know, born and raised in the United States. So <laughs> I'd throw that out there. Uh, sorry, I got distracted again. Um, we've talked about records before, right? What do you think is the unbreakable record? Blah, 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 blah. There is one sure. sort of looming in the background of Gretzky that I think is probably the second hardest one behind all-time points. That's consecutive 100-point seasons. Dude had 15 of them. Mm -hmm. Consecutive 100-point seasons. We're lucky if we get guys that have two or three. 15. And before anyone gets all, oh, it was the 80s, next closest is 11, it was Lemieux. Uh, so, yeah, okay, whatever, it was the 80s. Dude put up stupid points, regardless of era. 15, 1,000, at least 1,500 points consecutive in consecutive run. It's just... How the hell? <laughs> it's like an, a good a good career is what ten years, ten eleven years. Uh, I think what average is what like four or five. Yeah, so yeah. you know a, a good one is ten. You know a great one is fifteen. You know an exceptional one you're in the twenties. So take your entire career, a long career of ten years. Score 100 points every year and then do it again for another five when you're supposed to be, you know, on the backside of your career. That's just, that hurts my brain to think about that. So is this, is this segueing into the Mitch Marner playing defense thing? <laughs> that was going around nothing, earlier this week? <laughs> nothing, nothing segues into that because that is just... <laughs> Oh my God, that is Toronto so Torontoing. And then, and then Pierre LeBrun going, "Oh yeah, 
when are we going to see teams actually five on five play four forwards and one defender? And I'm like looking around going, here it comes. <laughs> as soon yeah. as one coach will just do it, it'll happen. Just and like when a front successful. officer hires a woman, look what happens. Oh, there are more talented people that, you know, actually got a college education back when those used to be worth something. Um, man, I'm just sitting here thinking about that 15 season, 100 point <laughs> it, it hurts. and thinking McDavid would be at six if the season wasn't interrupted back in 1920. Yeah, he'd be sitting at six. Which mean puts 20, him. What <laughs> you both said, which puts him, I think, in like fourth or no, I think it puts him in top ten. Because that's how that's you know, that's how infrequently hundred point seasons are maintained throughout a career. I mean, Gretzky's last one was 95, 96, and it was like 102 points. <laughs> well, okay, so here's here's my question, though. A large number of Gretzky's points came from assists. Right? So... Yeah. I, I mean... I, it was like... A, comparatively, because, like, these days, there's... Uh, I mean, there, you don't get a lot of large assist leaders... You know, it's still the guys who are racking up assists tend to be spread out across a team instead of it being like one or two guys like it used to be. And I'm not saying that Gretzky wasn't a great goal scorer because he was, but like a good portion of his total overall points were assists. It's probably a one, uh, a one to three, you know, for every goal there was three assists type thing. Right. So could it be that the reason and and the reason behind that was in the 80s 70s 80s into the 90s it was you had your center which Gretzky was a center and often you would be setting up your wings and the wings would score not always obviously because Gretzky still had a massive amount of goals but that was typically the role of the center was to set up the wings to score or to help uh piggyback the power play right so now you're getting instead of you're have instead of having the three guys on a line, it it's morphed into two partners on a line, and the third guy rotates in and out periodically. And so it's often more that the wingers are setting up players to score rather than it just strictly being the center's role to set up the wingers to score. You see what I'm saying? So it's, things are getting, things are, the, the game is set up differently than it was in the 80s. And I'm not saying that that is, I'm not saying it's the, oh, freewheeling 80s, everybody scoring everything, you know, kind of thing. I'm talking about how plays are set up. And so, you know, yeah. John Tortorella is very confused by this. Centers who can score, what in the, what a concept. Right. I don't think he's had that since he was in Tampa. No offense, Brad Richards. 
So yeah, so I mean, is it could it be that the reason why it's it's more difficult for a player to score a hundred points is because they are more more players are getting the assists passed around than they used to. Yeah, I just broke everyone's brains again. <laughs> well, I'm in agreement, actually. I I think long, outside of the one or two weird cases, Stephen Samkos early in his career and Ovechkin, you know, or in perpetuity, the specific role player or sniper has gone by the wayside. So, yeah, things were distributed more and more, and we're just now seeing the return of the 50, 60 goal score on a consistent basis. McDavid's done it and has never scored more than 45 goals. Right. I just... Figure this out. <laughs> this is too weird. It's frightening me. <laughs> if if safety mode was turned off in the McRobot, how many goals would he get? Let, and let's just say he plays seventy five games. Let, let's just. Say, all right, he'll miss a few for maintenance. How many could he honestly score if he wanted to? I'd put him mid-50s. That's around the number I was thinking. I, I don't think he could push for 70 like some other players in the league. No, I, I think he'd be mid-50s. That said, I could see him doing, I could see him having one of those insane seasons. Mm -hmm. You know, just as sort of a middle finger to some people. Um, safely, I'd say 53. 53 is probably where his peak is. I see it's funny because when you look at Bossy's numbers, Bossy's Bossy's consecutive 100-point streak aligns with what we see today, right? It's almost a it's almost a one-to-one -one with goals to to assists. And looking at Dry settles numbers over the last three seasons, they're almost, you know, they're pretty close, right? It's 47, 61, 55, 55, the odd year being 43, 67. Um, whereas 
like David's are sort of Gretzky-like, right? 30-70, 41, 67, 41, 75, 33, you know, almost, almost Gretzky-like in the sense of, you know, for every one goal, I'm going to get two assists or three assists type thing. Whereas everyone else, it seems pretty close to a one-to-one. I'm just trying to disprove or prove Cassie's theory <laughs> <laughs> by looking at statistical data. Right, but you, you have to have... <laughs> oh, God, do we really want to go into that? You need to have a 1,000 data points. <laughs> well, and there's been... That means a 1,000 players on either side to, like statistically prove one side or the other. You want me, you want me to create a, a methodology for you and we can set up a model and-, and Well, I don't think, we need a, <laughs> no, because I don't think we need a thousand data points because we aren't dealing with a set, we aren't dealing with a, um, a data set that is that the biggest, the big distribution set is actually constrained more because it's the NHL, we have far fewer players. Right, but a thousand data points gives you the overall picture for the entire population. Which I'm saying is the population base is smaller because it's the NHL. Right. Well, I know, and that's no. why I'm not saying 2,000 data points because for like a general population, say like a city or something, you need you need at least 2,000 data points to get um, your general population like covered. Okay, we'll, we'll deal with model. We'll deal with modeling. Or, or you can be like NHL.com and just make stuff up as you go along. Well, they are powered by SAP, which is somewhat accurate programming. And it is the NHL, just generally. They don't like sticking to their and own rules. <laughs> and you can do that. You can just throw out things like this. Tweet from five minutes ago. Quite the resume for Justin Williams. Is it enough to get him into the Hockey Hall of Fame? Oh, dear God. Can we stop? <sighs> like, this is how you know we are so bored by this seven and eight game preseason. The answer is no. He's not a Hall of Famer despite his accolades in the postseason. And he doesn't have the international success to... He was a half a point per game player. He was never an all-star. His one con smith, which did he really deserve? He has a legend of a specific type, and he was, if he had won multiple Olympic gold medals, I would say that puts him at least in a little bit more interesting conversation. I mean, even is, world championship gold medals would do, frankly. Eh. Paul I, Henderson still isn't in and has more of a case than Justin Williams, if I'm being And that's what I'm getting at, right? It's your no. NHL career is one part of it. If you weren't an absolute killer in the NHL, were you a killer internationally? And were you a killer in the biggest international competitions of the Olympics? Then talk to me. Hello, Ilya Kopalchuk. Yes. Or, you know, was a groundbreaking sort of player like Manuel Rome, who is still not in the Hockey Hall of Fame either. Who should be in simply in the builders category. And yes. That way nobody can complain. Yes. Did she have a, a Hockey Hall of Fame career? No. no. But she was definitely a groundbreaking player. Yes. 
Yeah, see, Thornton's numbers are Gretzky-like, right? Actually, probably he blows the model even further open. It's like for every one goal, there was like 15 assists for Thornton. <laughs> yeah. Dude knew his, uh, knew his strengths, that's for sure. Yeah, Malkin's pretty much one-to-one. Yeah. Marchand had a hundred. Oh, that's right. Marchand did have a hundred point season a couple of years ago. Wow. Huh. Yeah, I really didn't have anything else. <laughs> Is there else? I, 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 I just had one thing to throw out. So the last week or so, it's let's overreact to every player who performs well in these preseason games. <sighs> You know, several guys are putting out multiple points. What if a championship team were to take a player and maybe still play him the 18 to 22 minutes that he's playing in these preseason games during the regular season? I'm curious what might happen. Might this player actually put up numbers instead of, you know, he makes the camp roster and plays nine minutes per game. Because how else did a player like the aforementioned Brad Marchand eventually turn into a 100-point score? This has been the 3v3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.